0: up next on walking by faith you know the devil tells people you have done this you've done that god's mad at you god is not going to listen to you god's not going to receive you god's not going to forgive you god's not going to bless you god's not going to answer your prayers but the bible says that god is not holding your sins against you none of them jesus paid for all of them to Walking by Faith and I want to thank you for being with us today. Now we are looking at the oldest creed in Christendom. Now the reason is this, in Jude the third verse it says to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. In other words, what Christians believe in the first century is the same thing Christians are to believe in the 21st century. And so often today people approach their spiritual life like a smorgasbord. They go, well, I like the chicken tenders, but I don't like the broccoli or the Brussels sprouts. And so they want to literally not accept or believe certain parts of Christianity. But the truth is it all stands together. The faith was once and for all delivered to the saints. What they used to believe in the first century is for us today. And so we're looking at the Apostles' Creed and literally... Within a decade of when the Apostle John died, we had the Apostles' Creed in basically the same form that we have it today. And billions and billions and billions of Christians have made this faith confession. And I would like you right now to come with us as we go into this service right as it begins. We are in a series of messages on the Apostles' Creed. We're kind of unpacking it. Now, it is the oldest creed in Christendom. Um, Within 10 years, maybe even less, of when the Apostle John died, we had the creed in the basic form that we have it today. Now, the reason that it's important is this. It says this in Jude, the third verse, to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. What saints, what Christians believed in the first century, is what Christians are to believe in the 21st century. There isn't to be a change. And so often people come to spirituality today in the 21st century like a smorgasbord, thinking, I like this part, I don't like this, I accept this, I reject that. But the truth is that the faith, what Christians believe, was delivered once for all. And so we're taking and we're unpacking the Apostles' Creed and we've been been beginning each one of our sessions by confessing the creed together. Let's see if we can put it up on the screen and uh, let's together repeat the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, And the life everlasting. All right. Well, we are on that phrase. The um, was crucified, dead and buried. And Jesus was taken outside the, the the walls of Jerusalem to the place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And there, at the base, he was crucified along with two thieves, one on the right and one on the left. And the Bible says that there were four soldiers that crucified Jesus. Now, every, every Jewish man had five pieces of clothing. They all wore a tunic, a belt, sandals, a turban, and each of those were basically equal in value, and then an outer cloak that was large and much more valuable. In fact, the one that Jesus had was one piece and would have been quite valuable for the time. Well, the four items, they probably just cast some lots, and you get this one, you get that one. They were basically the same value. But that outer garment was quite valuable. They didn't want to tear it and ruin it. So it says, when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots. Now, it's it's very, very interesting when you go back into the Old Testament and look about the prophecies about Jesus' crucifixion. In fact, I've read a number of different scholars that believe that Jesus actually quoted much of the 22nd Psalm while he was on the cross. Now, while he was on the cross, there were seven sayings that people could hear, seven things that Jesus said out loud. But it's interesting that in the 22nd Psalms, in the 18th verse, it says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots." The first verse says... My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How many of you know that's one of the sayings from Jesus on the cross? In the 16th verse, it says, they've pierced my hands and my feet. The last verse ends with, it is finished. I mean, those, those were Jesus' last words on the cross. But what the cross is, is it's a picture of how much God loves each and every one of us. Jesus went to the cross for your sins, for my sins. The Bible says he was delivered up because of our offenses. And it's at the cross where Jesus paid the price. It's at the cross where he shed his blood. In 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. Now, listen to me. There is a part of you, that is not of this world. The Bible says that God is the father of spirits. Back in Genesis chapter two, it says the Lord formed the man of the dust of the ground. He breathed in his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. Now it's in the New Testament where we find out that a man is a trichotomy. And again, the Bible is progressive revelation. Which means the farther you get in the Bible, the more God reveals about every subject, and it's true about humanity. It's in First Thessalonians 5:23 where it says, "And may the very God of peace sanctify you completely." He's going to talk about your whole being—spirit, soul, and body. You're a trichotomy. You are a spirit. You have a soul or a mind and emotions, and you live inside of a body—three parts. So there's this part of you that God breathed into you that is not of this world. It is from the God realm. It's from the eternal realm. And because of that, nothing in this world could purchase your redemption. You couldn't be redeemed with corruptible things, things from this earth, silver or gold because there was a part of you that came from a different realm. There was a part of you that came from the eternal realm, not the temporal realm, but the eternal realm. And temporal things cannot redeem eternal things. So God had to do something supernatural. And we've talked about Jesus, how he came, how he was different But he was able to come and redeem us because he came, he was given from the eternal realm. So you weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from the aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So Jesus purchased you with his blood. Now let me remind you, Leviticus... Chapter 17 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for your soul. It is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. So in Romans 3.25, it says, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. How many of you this week use the word Propitiation. You know, it's not like you you go to Costco and go, hey, where's the propitiation aisle? Right? In fact, it's like, what does it even mean? It means a sacrifice or a mercy seat through faith in his blood. See, it's not enough to simply believe that Jesus came and died. The Bible says that he becomes our sacrifice when we believe that it is his blood that paid for our sins. Now, in Hebrews 9, in verse 12, it says, Not with the blood of bulls and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Now, Moses went up on Mount Sinai and spent time with God, and God gave him instructions and said, I want you to build a tabernacle. In fact, this is what he said. This is Hebrews 8, 5. See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. He said, I want you to make this tabernacle. Make it exactly the way that I show you. Right? Now, the reason why God said make it exactly is because the book of Hebrews, again, tells us it's a copy. It's a copy of a tabernacle that God has in heaven. Now, we've got a little picture of the uh, what the tabernacle looked like. In fact, if you go to Israel, you can go. This is a replica, but it's an actual size replica. And you can go down and and you can see what Moses' tabernacle actually looked like. That's what it looked like. Now, there's there's three parts in the tabernacle. There's the outer court. Then there's an inner court. And then there's a square that's way in the back there. And that is the Holy of Holies. Now, in the Holy of Holies, there's one piece of furniture, and it is the Ark of the Covenant. Right? In fact, everything that you read, if, if you've ever read your whole Bible, you get to that part where God describes to Moses how to build everything. And I don't know, it's like eight or nine chapters long. And, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what is this all about? It's all about that box right there. Right? That box is called the Ark of the Covenant. Right? It's made of a particular type of wood, and it's overlaid with gold. And it's basically a box and it's got a lid. And on the top, there's a a couple of angels, two cherub angels that's got their wings stretched out. Now, God said, my presence, my presence, he said, I will meet with you above the mercy seat and under the angel's wings. Can you get that picture back up? Now, here's what happens. Once a year, and only one time a year, the high priest would go in to that square part, the holy of holies, the most holy part, where that ark is. And he comes with blood. And he sprinkles that blood on that mercy seat on the top seven times. Right? And then he goes out. And he doesn't get to go back again for a year. right? Now, inside that ark, if you lifted it up, how many of you saw Raiders of the Lost Ark? You know not to do this. You do not lift the top. All right, you know that. But here's, here's the deal. What's in there is not the well of souls. What's in there are the Ten Commandments. How many ever heard of them? How many ever broke one? Okay. So, so what we have is we've got that ark right there. Inside there are all the commandments that you and I have broken. Then we've got a mercy seat that's got blood. And then we have the presence of God, right? And remember what the Bible says about God. It says in Isaiah, the angels are crying out, holy, holy, holy. Now, let me remind you, because this isn't true in English, but it's true in Hebrew, right? Every time that something is repeated, it's a multiplier, right? In other words, God's not just holy, and he's not just holy, holy. Holy. He's holy, holy, holy. And by the way, three times is perfection. So you've got the presence of a holy, holy, holy God. You've got the top of the mercy seat covered with blood, and you've got the commandments that you and I have broken. And what is in between that holy, holy God and the commandments we've broken? Blood. Blood that makes an atonement for your soul. But it says in Hebrews 9, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. Jesus did not go into a tabernacle on earth, the book of Hebrews said, but the tabernacle God has in heaven. And he went in with his own blood. Right? He entered the holy place once for all. Now the priest would go in every year and he would die and another priest would take his place and he'd go in. And when he'd die, another priest would go in, but they had to go in every year. And you say, why? Because the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. It could not pay for sin. But he went in once for all, having obtained an eternal redemption. An eternal redemption. You say, what does that mean? That means that when Jesus sets you free on Sunday, you can still be free on Wednesday. And the next Wednesday, and the next Wednesday, and the next Wednesday. Wednesday, in fact, it is eternal. Before we get right back into today's message, I just wanna take a moment and share a couple of testimonies with you. And I want you to remember that it's because of your prayers and your support that we here at Walking by Faith are able to reach people with the gospel. Three months ago, it says, I watched your program and prayed the prayer of salvation. You sent me your book, the New, Your New Life. I'm loving this wonderful book. It's so clear. It makes it so easy to understand what the Bible's saying to me. I can't put it down. Thank you. And then another first-time caller called in and says, I was touched by the message and felt led to call. The person on the phone prayed with me to receive Jesus. I have never called a prayer line before, and I'm so glad that I did. Now, walking by faith exists to save souls, to see lives changed. It's through your prayers and your support that we're able to reach out into over 170 nations of the world. Of course, Jesus told us that when just one sinner repents, there's rejoicing in heaven. And there should be rejoicing on earth because of so many people getting right with God. And it's, again, your prayers and your support that enable us to reach out around the world. And your gift is used to win souls heal hearts and transform lives and i want to ask you today be a partner with us so you can participate in touching lives all around the world thank you god bless so the bible tells us in hebrews chapter 12 that you've not come to mount zion excuse me to to, uh, mount sinai that's the the mountain where moses went up but you've come to mount zion To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Now Cain kills Abel, and God goes to Cain and says, Where's your brother? He said, well, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And God says, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And it was crying and saying, God, give me justice. Give me vengeance. And God judged his brother and marked his brother. But the blood of Jesus is on the mercy seat. And the Bible says that it is speaking right now. And his blood says, Father, don't give them what they deserve. Don't give them justice. Give them mercy. Forgive them. Bless them. Deliver them. Prosper them. Use them. Heal them. The blood of Jesus is on the mercy seat right now today speaking for you and for me. So the Bible goes on in 2 Corinthians 5 and says, for the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. That he, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and rose again. What does it say? It says you and I should no longer live for ourselves because God loved us so much that Jesus died for us and rose again for us. And now we should live for him. It's at the cross where God made the great exchange. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, it says that he took him that knew no sin, that's Jesus, and made him to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. In other words, at the cross, Jesus took all your sin and put it into Jesus, took his righteousness and gave it to you and me. He that knew no sin became sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. God took his righteousness and gave it to us, took our sin and put it upon him. He was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer, get this, counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. Or no longer, other translations say, holding men's sins against them. You know, the devil tells people, you have done this, you've done that, God's mad at you. God is not going to listen to you. God's not going to receive you. God's not going to forgive you. God's not going to bless you. God's not going to answer your prayers. But the Bible says that God is not holding your sins against you. None of them. Jesus paid for all of them. Now, it says this in 1 Timothy 4.10. It says that Jesus is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. I want you to catch this. Jesus did not die for a select few. He died for how many? All men. But then it says, especially those that believe. Because it's only those that believe that receive what Jesus had for them. It's as if somebody deposited a million dollars in your bank account. But how many know if you don't ever go withdraw, it does you no good? Jesus made the deposit. He paid the price. He took your sin. He offers you. He has in your account righteousness, right standing with God waiting for you. But you got to step out and receive it. He is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe, those that receive what he has for them. Right? He said he was crucified, dead, and buried. He out, cried out with a loud voice and he yielded. Up the spirit. And the Bible says that the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So the Saturian who stood opposite him saw and he cried, but he cried out this with his last breath and said, Surely this man was the Son of God. But notice what happened. When Jesus died in the temple, the veil that separated that ark of the covenant, that most holy place, was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, they tell us that that curtain was six inches thick and 20 feet tall, right? Now, nobody got on a ladder, climbed up, and tore that veil apart. God tore that. And the reason that he did was to let us know that the means into his presence was now open. That your sin and my sin were no longer separating us from God. God is not holding men's sins against them. We can come into his presence. We can receive what he has for us. It says, When evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body be given to him. So Joseph, having taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth. He laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewed out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. Now, we've got a picture here of the, of the garden tomb. Um, you can't tell from, from here, but it, when you get there, you can see right in front Of that door down on the ground, that there is a spot where the stone would be rolled in front and rolled back. Now, by the way, when Jesus arose from the dead, the stone, an angel rolled it away and sat on top of it. Now, he didn't roll it away so Jesus could get out, he rolled it away so you and I could see on the inside that that was an empty tomb. And here's what it looks like today on the inside of that tomb. Now, Hebrews 2 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood. You and I are the children, and you live in a flesh and blood body. So it says, He, Jesus Himself, likewise partook of the same. Jesus came in a flesh and blood body like yours, that through death He might destroy Him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. God's plan from the beginning. Jesus, the Bible says, is as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before God created the earth, he knew that Jesus was going to have to come to redeem us. Now, the devil didn't understand this, but in order to defeat death, Jesus had to come in a flesh and blood body, and he had to die. That through death, he could destroy him that had the power of death and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. He does not give aid, the next verse, aid to angels, or literally salvation to angels. But he does give aid or salvation to the seed of Abraham. In other words, an angel can't get saved. You say, why? Because an angel does not have a flesh and blood body like you do. Right? But he does give aid or salvation to the seed of Abraham. And the devil tells people all the time, you have just done so much. You've gone so far. You're so far from God. God is never going to answer your prayers. He's never going to forgive you, never going to receive you, never going to deliver you. But it is nothing but a lie because God is not holding your sins against you. In fact, Jesus came in a flesh and blood body like yours, died to defeat death, sin, and the devil so that He could provide redemption and salvation for you. Now, as you've been watching today, if in your heart you're saying, you know, I need to get right with God, I need to come back to God, I want to invite you right now to pray this prayer from your heart. Just repeat this after me, just make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe that His blood paid for my sins, and I believe He rose again. I receive Him today as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for Him every day. Thank you for blood washing me from my sin, making me a new person on the inside, a part of your family forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you are forgiven. You're right with God. You're a part of His family, part of His kingdom. And I want to help you keep growing spiritually. I have a book I want to send you free of charge. It is full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. All you need to do is contact me. All the information is right there on your screen. In Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, if any two of you agree concerning a matter on earth, it shall be done for you. We believe that God acts powerfully when we come to him in prayer. Please call now to let us know of your prayer requests so we can begin praying for you. Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to know that God is using this ministry to touch lives across the world. We would love to hear from you. If you have a story about how God has used these broadcasts to touch your life, please email us at yourstory@walkingbyfaith.tv. Thank you for watching Walking by Faith. Walking by Faith is made possible in part by the generous gifts of our viewers. If you would like to contribute to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ through this program, please contact us at Walking by Faith, 5120 Ivanrest Avenue Southwest, Granville, Michigan, 49418.